SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hour number two of the morning after on a Tuesday morning rolls on right here on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, and all across the SportsGrid network for the second straight hour. We count our blessings on this Tuesday because Kevin Walsh joins us here on the morning after. When K-Dubs is here, the morning after becomes the early after. As Kevin Walsh is one of the co-hosts of the early line each and every weekday morning right here on the grid. 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern time alongside Donnie Wrightside. We are very pleased to have Kevin Walsh here with us for a second straight hour on this Tuesday morning. In this second hour, we will do a whole smattering of things in the sports world. Mm. We will start with some college basketball, some college hoops, handicaps, a new AP poll to discuss. And Kevin, I have some thoughts, and I know it's early, but I would like Mm. to share those thoughts. We will then look at the NBA postseason picture. Yes, that NBA postseason picture to let you know who the true contenders might be or who the pretenders are right now early on in this NBA regular season. And then to round out hour number two, it's the early lines with Kevin Walsh because we will look at the early lines for NFL week number 15. What a great second hour we are about to have, Kevin. Aren't you excited? I am jazzed up. It's why I stuck around. I'm starting to think more and more about the whole Steph thing and that record and some other things I could have said that what I you know need to live the whole record a little bit, but I let it go. I let it go. I'm excited. Cause basketball, a lot of interesting things. I have some hard hitting questions about college basketball. Let's get into it. Wow, I absolutely love it. May I be the recipient of a few of those questions? If we are going to look, Kevin, first at the new AP poll that was released yesterday afternoon, and for the third time in as many weeks, there is a new number one team in all of the land. It is a very familiar number one team, the reigning national champions in the Baylor Bears. Baylor becomes the third new number one team in the past three weeks. Baylor is a perfect 9-0 this year straight up, Mm. 6-2-1 against the spread. The Bears are one of seven remaining unbeaten teams in all of college basketball. Duke goes up to that number two spot. Purdue was number one last week, but following an upset loss to Rutgers, falls back down to number three. You see UCLA. They are fourth in the country ahead of Gonzaga, who is number five. But Kevin, if I may begin here, why is Arizona still ranked eighth? Mm. Has Arizona not proven how good they are right now to at least be a top five team in the country? And I know it's the middle of December. We aren't even into the thick of conference play here, and this really means absolutely nothing. But Arizona went on the road this past Saturday as a a two-and-a-half-point favorite against Illinois in the State Farm Center Mm. and picked up a huge 83-79 to win. Arizona is also one of those remaining undefeated teams, a perfect 9-0, 8-1 against the number, tied for the third-best ATS record in all of college basketball. There are 358 teams. Arizona already has wins over Illinois. They have a win over their Pac-12 foe in their conference opener in Oregon State, a tournament team last year, meanwhile, and a win against Michigan, dismantling the Wolverines, by 18 points. So, Kevin, that was my biggest takeaway, and I'm upset. I didn't think I'd ever be upset about Arizona basketball, but I'm upset the Wildcats are not ranked higher than eighth in the country. 
Don't be too upset because while the AP poll matters, and it does matter, we'll talk about it, the odds makers, they listen. They must love themselves some early after. You know who also does? The radio audience. Get the radio audience into the mix here. Kevin Walsh and Ben Scott Stevens right here on the morning after on a delightful Tuesday morning. Sirius XM Channel 159, the home of Sports Grid Radio. Talking a little college basketball. Talking about the Arizona Wildcats. Because last week, Ben and I get in the mix, talk a little college basketball. The Arizona Wildcats, 32-1 to to win the national championship. Cut in half. 16-1, to sixth best odds to win the national championship there. The respect for Arizona is being reflected right now in the odds market, Ben. And you and I both know that is where it truly matters right now. Arizona, better odds to win the whole thing than UCLA. Kevin, you know what's a darn shame is right now in the FanDuel Sportsbook, there are no Pac-12 odds up for a title oh. winner. Last week, UCLA were the favorites at plus 125. Arizona, 40 cents behind at plus 165. Mm-hmm. You will see in this newest rendition of the AP poll for college hoops that there are three Pac-12 teams within the top 10. UCLA at number four, Arizona ranked eighth, and USC rounds out the top 10 at number 10 in the country. Arizona, 16 to one, the sixth shortest odds to win the national championship. UCLA, 17 to 1, just right behind them, the number four team in all the land. And then USC, the number 10 team in the country, Kev, but 55 to 1 to win the national title right now. Also, one final point for me, right there, a little circle down near the second to last row, number 19 in the country, the LSU Tigers, the Bayou Bengals, one of those seven undefeated mm-hmm. teams in all of the country, 9 and 0 straight up this year, 8 and 1 against the spread, also the same ATS record as the vaunted Arizona Wildcats covering by 12.3 points per game. Kev, a team to keep an eye on, the LSU Tigers, also like USC, mm-hmm. 55 to 1 to win the national championship. Certainly good odds, good value early if they can continue that into SEC play. I told you I had a question for you. If we have time, hopefully yeah. we can get back to it. I'm going to ask it, I'm let you think on it, I'm going to let the people think on it. Why is Baylor not the favorite to win the national championship? Think on it. We'll talk about it hopefully on the other side if there's enough time. I don't mean to blow up a rundown. But ideally, think about that question. Why is Baylor not the favorite for the championship? Kevin, I will think, and you are not blowing up a rundown, a college hoops handicap on the other side of the break. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The morning after on this Tuesday morning continues right here on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens with Kevin Walsh for the second straight hour of TMA on this Tuesday. And we continue our conversation about college hoops. A new AP poll released yesterday. And for the third time in three weeks, we have a new number one team in the country. But it's a number one team that you should remember from only a couple of months ago as the reigning national champions in men's college basketball, that would be the Baylor Bears. And Baylor is the number one team in the country. They are a perfect 9-0, one of seven remaining undefeated teams. And right before we got to the break, Kevin Walsh asked me a question for me to ponder and for you to also think about 
Why is Baylor, the number one team in the country, who is undefeated this year, also won the championship last year, not the favorites right now to win the national championship? In fact, not even part of the top three best odds to cut down the nets in early April once again. Kevin, I don't really have a great answer for you. And Gonzaga mm -hmm. remains a very short number at plus 500. And there you see Baylor with the fifth best odds in the entire country at 12 to 1. In fact, why is Duke at plus 750? I don't mind those mm -hmm. teams having those prices necessarily, but I think Baylor should be right alongside both Gonzaga and Duke, given the track record. Track, track record of success that Scott Drew has instilled in Waco and how good Baylor is playing yet again this year with a lot of guys that won the national championship last year and some new experience in this Baylor Bears program. So the, the thing is, to my question, right, someone would probably, well, it it's because it's where the money is. Fine, you can't argue that much. But let's say that the college basketball futures were probably a little bit more fluid and they probably should be a little bit more fluid due to the consistent turnover that exists in college basketball. And let's remove Duke, Purdue, and Kansas, the three teams that sit in between Gonzaga and Baylor. And again, ask yourself, well, why is Gonzaga? Because of preseason expectations? Okay, sure. Has Gonzaga lived up to their preseason expectations? I would say no. People were, no. after their game against you, say, oh, they're unbeaten, better than last year. Both of those, absolutely not true. Is it, oh, well, Baylor doesn't have a lot of the same guys as last year. Davion Mitchell, Jared Butler in the NBA. Where's Corey Kispert? Where's Jalen Suggs? Oh, in the NBA, Joel AI. They actually lost the same amount of starters, if I'm not mistaken, off of that Gonzaga team. Maybe it's because they're the reigning defending champions of college basketball, Gonzaga. No, it's Baylor. They're the team that won the national championship last year. Mark Few, a great Head coach, this is not meant to be Gonzaga's slander, but the question around Mark Few is, can he win the national championship? That doesn't exist for Baylor. They're literally the defending champions of college basketball and stopped Gonzaga from being listed as one of the greatest teams in the history of the sport because that's who Baylor beat last season. Perhaps it's, though, that Baylor hasn't beat anyone yet. Also, wrong. Villanova is actually still on the court trying to break 50. Right now, the Wildcats are still out there seeing if they can muster up enough points against that Baylor Bears defense. Gonzaga's losses aren't bad, but they are to the upper echelon of college basketball, which is important. Maybe... It's because the advanced analytics and the ranking services think Gonzaga is still better than Baylor. Also wrong. Ken Palm, the most respected yep. rankings in college basketball's number one team in advanced metrics is Baylor in front of Gonzaga. And the last one that I will debunk, because I think it is a very, very important one. There are a lot of people who will say, well, Gonzaga has the best chance to be a number one seed of any team in the country. No, they don't. They don't. Because Baylor can afford Big 12 losses. Duke can afford ACC losses. When Gonzaga loses a game in the WCC, and I'm apparently going to go on record with a crazy statement. 
they're gonna lose a game in the WCC. Because just so everyone knows, they don't go unbeaten in that conference every year. They did it last year, because last year's team was an all-time great team, and they're still being booked like this is last year's team, despite not being last year's team. When they lose a game in the WCC, it will be tremendously difficult to argue Gonzaga in front of the Big Ten champion, the ACC champion, the Big 12 champion, oh, and the Pac-12 champion, who has multiple teams with inside the top 10. This is not meant to be taking a shot at Gonzaga, but they continue to be booked as if it is last year's team and they are not last year's team. I don't often just give Thank round you. of applause, but you. that right there was poetry in motion. That was Kevin Walsh in a park on a soapbox spitting gospel. And I hope everybody paid attention to it. And Kevin is so spot on, it is ridiculous. A couple of the points that he alluded to. Baylor is the number one team in Ken Palm's efficiency rankings. Baylor is the second most efficient defense in the country, also a top five most efficient offense. They held Villanova, a team that was ranked number six at the time, still in the top 15 in the country, to just 36 points. The Cats had not scored less than 70 all year long against teams like Tennessee who oh yeah Tennessee by the way is the number one most efficient defense in the country against teams like Purdue that is how good Villanova remains to be and what Baylor's performance on Sunday showed about how good the Baylor Bears are also Gonzaga needs to schedule as hard of a non-conference as they do because of how weak the WCC conference is and so yes you're like oh they played Duke UCLA Texas Alabama Sure, they're going to lose a couple of those games. Yeah, but they're not expected to because they need to bolster their resume this early on to impress the NCAA selection committee by the time we get to March to solidify a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. So all that Kevin said there is very true. And again, it's not so much slander at Gonzaga. It's not comparing and contrasting to build one up and take away from the other. But if you're going to have Gonzaga as the short favorite to win the national championship, despite two losses already this year at plus 500, then why are the Baylor Bears not right there step in step with the Gonzaga Bulldogs? That is the point. Baylor should not be 12 to 1. Baylor should be plus 650, plus 600, maybe even right alongside Gonzaga at plus 500. So, Kevin, a couple of good games tonight in college basketball. Mm -hmm. Not the most marquee of marquee slates, but a good one between Alabama and a team of the Memphis Tigers that entered the year at 20-1 to to win the national championship, had so much hype with guys like Jalen Duran and Imani Bates that this would be a Memphis team to keep an eye on, an Elite Eight team for sure. Mm -hmm. Memphis has lost four straight games. Meanwhile, Alabama... Their last two games, an upset win over those Gonzaga Bulldogs, and then a huge win at home on Saturday night against number 14, Houston. And right now, Alabama, a five-point favorite against the Memphis Tigers this evening, an over-under total of 155.5. Kevin, what the heck is wrong with the Memphis Tigers? Look, a lot, it feels. The crazy thing is, you mentioned that five-point line. We all know lines move. It's down to three and a half. Oh. This is very interesting to me, okay? Because college Cam Stewart said this to me once, and it's always uh, stuck with me. There are never wrong lines in an NFL slate, okay? They don't put bad lines out. They might be wrong. I shouldn't say wrong. But they, might put, but they don't put up bad lines. That's just absolutely incorrect. 
In college sports, there can be. Because in college sports, I think it takes them sometimes a little bit longer to adjust to who a team might truly be. Memphis has lost four in a row. Three of them to power five teams that they probably shouldn't have lost to, and another as a double-digit favorite at home to Murray State. Bama beating Gonzaga and Houston in their last two. One of two things is true. Either this is a dead trap and Memphis is going to win this game, or it is a horrible line. And when Memphis loses by double digits, nobody in the room will be able to explain what they did. Absolutely so. We will talk a little bit more about that game and the NBA postseason up next here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. back to the morning after on sports grid sirius xm channel 159 and all across the sports grid network i'm your host ben stevens alongside kevin walsh here on this tuesday in the middle of a fascinating conversation about college basketball overall from a national perspective looking at the national title odds and also a great game tonight that has a very intriguing number up currently on the FanDuel Sportsbook. We are talking about Alabama, now the number six team in the country. The most two recent wins for the Tide, knocking off Gonzaga and then beating Houston, a top 15 team at home on Saturday night against a team in Memphis that everybody loved to look at entering the year in the preseason. 20 to 1 to win the national championship, now 49 to 1 to cut down the nets in early April. Why all of this market movement against Penny Hardaway's crew? Well, Memphis has lost four straight games, including to the likes of Murray State over the weekend as well. And Kevin, we just discussed this line. Alabama opened up as a five-point favorite earlier this morning. Now it's just three and a half in the Crimson Tide's favor. Yes, on the road against the Memphis Tigers, but what is this line and what should we do with it? I, look, I, I think at times, though, and I, I've, I've said this before, if you see a line that looks off, okay? One, I am at least of the belief that you have to try and talk it out. They do not hang bad lines for fun and then end up correct. That's not how things work, okay? So if you want to try and understand, it probably has to do a lot with what Memphis is believed to be. And also, we've seen letdown spots before. Gonzaga, Houston. Memphis is, again, a team that, based on their more recent results... Perhaps a Crimson Tide look past. So try and understand where the Memphis line is coming from. But also, step back. I have no problem stepping back from a side, especially when I look at this total. I look at Bama going street three straight overs. I look at Memphis playing four of their five home games over. And I think to myself, oh, let's just bet the total and not worry about the side in this game. Because... I've watched more Memphis basketball, maybe than I should have. Maybe not. Maybe I should watch this much Memphis basketball. But they they don't look great. I'm telling you, that game against Iowa State was horrific. And it's not been any better. Like, it's not as it like the Iowa State loss, at least, right, Ben? You could look back and there's a little bit of, you know, redeeming qualities to it because Iowa State seems to just be really good. The, the Georgia loss, eh. Ole Miss, not great. 
Murray State, double-digit favorite at home? Bad. Bad, Bad loss. Double-digit lead at half. Bad loss. Immature team. They're not going to mature overnight. So, uh, look, Memphis is not the side for me. It's Bama or pass. I don't care. We need that clip right there of bad, bad loss. I love that. We got to clip that off on social media. <laughs> you can follow us at SportsGrid TV and at SportsGrid on Twitter. We'll do a fuller social media read later in the show. But, Kev, you bring up a great point because those losses for Memphis are not good. Iowa State is ranked number 11 in the country. They have surprised everybody. They were picked to finish dead last in the Big 12. TJ Olselberger gets there to Ames and turns this team into one of the final seven remaining unbeaten teams in all of college basketball, but still ranked 50th in Ken Palm. The other losses, Murray State is the highest ranked team in Ken Palm at 89th. Everybody else is behind that. Georgia is in the mid-120s. These have been bad, bad losses for Memphis. And Alabama this year has been favored in all but one game. They are 5-3 and three against the number as a favorite. Memphis, this will be their first time as an underdog. That doesn't lead me to the Memphis Tigers to say, this is where they snap the skin and pull off a win as an underdog. No siree. I still would look to Alabama if I'm looking at a side. And if you want to mention the total, it's up there for the realm of college basketball at 155.5. But we're talking about two teams that have a top 30 adjusted tempo, which means they want to play fast. Alabama, three straight overs. You heard Kevin mention it. The Tigers, four of their five home games this year, hitting the over. If we are going to see a back-and-forth game that is truly going to be as close as the odds are indicating with a three-and-a-half-point spread, that means Memphis is going to have to keep up. I would look to an over of the 155-and-a-half as well. So, as we move from the college basketball landscape to the pro ranks, Focusing on the NBA, and Kevin, we're going to do an exercise here, and I understand it's the middle portion of December. We haven't even gotten to Christmas Day when the NBA season fully feels like it's underway, but let's look at the postseason mm -hmm. in the NBA and the outlook for these teams in both the Eastern Conference and the West to see who the true contenders are. Let's begin with the East, and the way that I put these odds out, and our graphics producer, Jesse Metzger, aligned them, Kev, is by looking at the teams in the East five through 10, who have the best odds to make the postseason. Mm -hmm. The teams you will not see included here are at the top, the Brooklyn Nets, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Miami Heat, and the Philadelphia 76ers. The Chicago Bulls mm -hmm. have the fifth best odds right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook to win the Eastern Conference at 12 to one. They are minus 950 to make the postseason. But as we continue to go through this list and look at the make playoff odds, you will see the Atlanta Hawks, pretty strong odds as well at minus 290, the Boston Celtics minus 162, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the covering Cleveland Cavaliers at minus 150. And then we get into plus money. The ninth and 10th best odds, the Hornets at plus 102, the Knicks at plus 125. And Kevin, of course, a reminder, we are doing the play-in tournament at the conclusion of the NBA regular season once again. So those teams 7 through 10 in each conference will have the play-in to see who goes to the actual NBA postseason. You look at those odds, Kevin, in the East. Do any of those numbers stand out to you? The Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cleveland Cavaliers. Because this is no longer about covering. So for those that uh, use the SportsGrid website player prop tool, which I cannot mm. recommend enough, you go to sportsgrid.com, NBA drop-down tab, 
props. Everything's rated five stars, four stars, the, the percentage, the projections. It is tremendously valuable. A lot of the similar uh, folks that help put those together also will put together odds to win the title, make the playoffs, and things of that nature. And uh, listen, now, models can be imperfect, but, but stick with me here, Ben. On December 11th was the most recent updated projections across the entire landscape that I was able to see. And the Cleveland Cavaliers had the best percentage to make the playoffs of any team in the Eastern Conference period at 96.4%. The, ca- the implied probability, if you're so inclined, of 96% is a money line of minus 2,400. Obviously, minus 150 is quite a bit shorter. Now, again, models are imperfect and you are fair to disagree. But how far off can the model actually be? Because if you look at the Cavaliers and their 7-12 and record and their plus 4.1 point differential, which, by the way, the best in the Eastern Conference, a projected easy schedule from here on out, and minus 150 all of a sudden doesn't sound that crazy, especially, of course, Ben, with the landing net of the play-in. Obviously, if you bet a team at any minus price, even if minus 150, to make the postseason, you want them out of the play-in, but you still have that landing net there. This number, by the way, on December 11th was plus 118. People have been clicking on the Cavs, which each and every double-digit victory they put forward. When you think about Cleveland, Kevin, and the words that you just said of their implied playoff odds, that absolutely stunned me. Minus 2,400, the implied percentage there of Cleveland making the playoffs. That is insane. In a large gap away from minus 150, Mm -hmm. their listed price on the FanDuel Sportsbook. And the Cleveland Cavaliers are winning basketball games, and they are covering basketball games. Kevin, as you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers have won Mm -hmm. eight of their last 12 games. Those 12 games, by the way, they have covered in each and every one, including... As a five and a half point favorite last night against the Miami Heat, the Cavs winning 105 to 94. Let me say that again. The Cleveland Cavaliers have covered in 12 straight games. That is ridiculous. A cover percentage right now with the best ATS record in the NBA at 81.5% of their games. That is Hall of Fame legendary status, first ballot Hall of Fame type betting numbers. 81.5% of the games the Cavs have played this year. They are covering in. And last night, being a favorite, Kevin, also stands out to me because they covered as a a five-and-a-half-point favorite. They have a cover margin of Mm 7.9 points per game, which is the best cover margin in the NBA. And now they are 6-0-1 against the spread as a favorite this year. They have been a favorite in four Mm -hmm. straight games. They have covered in each and every one of those, obviously. But before this four-game span where they were a favorite, they were only a favorite three other times previously throughout the early portion of this NBA season. So the Cavs have been my focus, are my focus in the Eastern Conference. It's pretty tremendous what we're seeing, and they're probably going to have the NBA Rookie of the Year in Evan Mobley. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I we've talked about the Mobley thing from the jump, and here's what's going to be really difficult for your Cade Cunningham's of the world to jump over Evan Mobley is he's going to be on a postseason team, and the Detroit Pistons are horrible. Though I will yep. say, Cade might end up averaging like 20 a game with the Jeremy Grant injury news. First game without Grant, Cade, I think, scored 26, 25, 26 points against the Brooklyn Nets. That obviously is a big-time boost. Look, if you want to continue to wet your whistle on Cavs' prices— they're 18 to 1 to win the Central. COVID for the Chicago Bulls. The Bucks recently saw Chris Middleton get a little bit banged up. We don't know the timetable with that. Look, and at the end of the day, 18 to 1, you know this very well, Ben. You don't need to cash that. You just need to get that towards the finishing line there with hedge opportunities. The Cleveland Cavaliers, the eighth best odds to make the postseason at minus 150, but the ninth best odds to win the Eastern Conference still, and rightfully so, a very long price at 55 to 1. We're having so much fun with this NBA conversation. More of it coming up next year on the morning app. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Morning after on this Tuesday rolls on right here on Sports Grid. Sirius XM, Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens, still alongside Kevin Walsh for the two hours of the opening two hours of TMA on this Tuesday. But the morning after transforms into the early after when Kevin Walsh is here. And the reason we are so glad to have Kevin Walsh here is he has expertise across the board. But we're diving in right now into the action in the association, taking an early look for you to get you ahead of things as it pertains to the postseason outlook for teams in the NBA. We just broke down the Eastern Conference, a team you need to know, the team with the best ATS record in all of the NBA, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, let's flip it over to the West. Because, Kev, in the East, we looked at the teams 5 through 10 right now, those teams that would be in that conversation maybe around the play-in tournament by the end of the year. How the FanDuel Sportsbook has the teams in the Western Conference, you will not see odds listed for the Golden State Warriors, the Phoenix Suns, or the Utah Jazz to make the postseason. And then you will see some teams starting with the fourth best odds, presumably, to make the playoffs at pretty strong minus money prices. That includes the Denver Nuggets, who have the fourth best odds, or at least the best odds out of this board, at minus 650. Then you see the Dallas Mavericks and the Los Angeles Lakers, both at minus 375. Then the LA Clippers, minus 260. The Memphis Grizzlies, also a pretty steep price at minus 230 before it drops off into plus money with Portland and Minnesota. Kev, I mentioned earlier, I think the Nugs still being at minus 650 to make the postseason is a pretty intriguing number. One game above 500, 10 to 1 to win the Western Conference right now. The same odds they had entering the year, but it has been a little bit shaky at times because of the injury status of the Denver Nuggets. Of course, Michael Porter Jr., presumably done for the rest of this season. No Jamal Murray back yet and probably won't be until later in the regular season, if not the playoffs for the Denver Nuggets, and yet still minus 650 to make the postseason. Mm -hmm. An intriguing number in my mind on the Denver Nuggets. Look, I think there's a couple of interesting numbers. Obviously, right now, the, you know, the, look, the Nuggets are trying to find their way through injury. The Mavericks, I think, fit that mold as well, Ben. I'm interested to see how those teams approach the trade deadline. 
how aggressive they are or maybe not aggressive. I don't want to think that they would be fielding phone calls, but you never know how things are going to turn out. But I think when you look at those those numbers that you listed there, right? If I'm not mistaken, Memphis was the eighth team at a minus 230 price. And what that means is it essentially feels as if they know they're eight teams already. But that's never going to be 100% the case anymore because of the play-in tournament. So where you can potentially find value on the eight considerable favorites is if you think you can get the team that'll land in the seven or eight spot, obviously could potentially be nine or 10, which is great for you as well, on betting the no. I think the no becomes a little more intriguing where we talked about the Cavs' yes price, where if the Denver Nuggets land in the play-in and you have them at a no price, Ben, at plus 440, that's where your hedge opportunities all of a sudden can come into play. Same thing is true of a Dallas Mavericks team at a plus 285. That's where you start to try and find some value uh, in that way. I think it's interesting to see both the Lakers and the Mavericks still at minus 375. It makes sense from the public perspective of Los Angeles. So the fourth shortest odds to win the Western Conference, the preseason favorites, but now at plus 480. I think it's interesting, though, Kev, because both the Lakers and the Mavs well below 500 as it pertains to their marks against the number. The Mavericks 11 and 15 Mm -hmm. ATS, the LA Lakers just 11 and 17 against the number and let's focus on those memphis grizzlies because what they are doing right now winning eight of their last nine games all without john morant has been super super impressive and you look at the box score last night and you see what they did to the philadelphia 76ers yes philly without joel Embiid, but still a statement win 126 to 91 blowing out philadelphia and memphis was still booked as an underdog even without Joel Embiid in the lineup for Philadelphia. Memphis winning outright at home as a two-point, two-and-a-half-point underdog. I said Memphis has won eight of their last nine. That's true, but in fact, it's even better than that. They've won nine of their last ten. They are 17-11 and against the number this year. That is tied for the fourth-best cover percentage in the NBA. And Kev, nine-and-five ATS as an underdog as well. The Grizz have been grinding in Grind City and doing it all without their best player, which makes that minus 230 price to make the postseason make sense, especially when you add Ja back to the fold. Yeah, because Ja is anticipated in returning. And that's why when you and I talked about the Lakers losing to that team, I, I look, I wasn't trying to take the heat off of the Lakers. You got to give this Memphis team credit. This is what Memphis is doing right now. They're finding a formula that is working because they're not just, you know, eking out wins. I mean, they're they're winning considerably like this here against the Philadelphia 76ers. I don't mean to move too quickly off of this game, Ben, but I do want to just jump in with a little bit of news that's coming out of the NBA right now. Uh, Shams Tarania and Adrian Wojnarowski both reporting, obviously, Woj of ESPN, Shams of The Athletic, that the Brooklyn Nets are now battling some COVID issues here as Paul Millsap, Marcus Aldridge, DeAndre Bembry, Javon Carter, and James Johnson are all now in COVID protocols. Certainly would make them all very unlikely to play tonight for the Brooklyn Nets against the Toronto Raptors. The line's still up and really not moving at 7.5. Right now for the Brooklyn Nets, Durant and Harden should obviously be all systems go. But this will be a shorthanded Brooklyn Nets team tonight, Ben, certainly when they take the floor against the Raptors. The Raptors on that second leg of a back-to-back. But also, you never know if this is going to be the end of the test that pile in. Certainly just some, uh, again, news coming out that will impact today's NBA slate. 
And we need these news updates right now because this has been a theme over the last 72 hours or so, certainly in the entire sports landscape. And we saw it play out last night on Monday Night Football. Of course, the news yesterday that the Chicago Bulls had two games postponed in the NBA, both their previous matchup tonight against the Detroit Pistons and Thursday's upcoming game against the Toronto Raptors. So we will see what happens with this ever-evolving situation for the Brooklyn Nets, the ever-evolving pandemic that is certainly still here. Again, a reminder, please stay healthy out there as best as you can. So, Kev, that's the discussion for us in the NBA. The early perspective looking at the early odds to make the NBA postseason. Do you catch my drift here? The early lines for week number 15 of the NFL regular season. That begins early on Thursday night, of course, between the Chiefs and the Chargers, but also two games, a doubleheader for the first time this year on Saturday. So who better to look at early lines than one of the co-hosts of the early line here on the grid, Kevin Walsh. Yes, he is here for these two hours. We will look at some of these early lines for NFL week number 15 in a great game in the nightcap on Saturday night, Kevin, between the Indianapolis Colts and the New England Patriots. Both teams coming off a bye. And let's not forget about the Patriots, the hottest team in football. They have won seven straight games. They have covered in seven straight games. And they will be an underdog on the road against the Indianapolis Colts. In fact, Kevin, the line has worked in Indy's favor. The Colts open as just a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Now two-and-a-half points in Indy's favor on Saturday night. That line stood out to me. Did it catch your eye as well? Of course, it absolutely did. This is a monster game for both uh, teams here. Now, the interesting thing about this spot is I said that I know the Colts are going to get a touchdown lead in this game because that's what the Indianapolis Colts do. They have won seven of their last ten games. The three losses came in games where they featured actually a double-digit lead in all three of those games. Terrible losses. You can't do that in the NFL. Overtime, they lose to Baltimore. Overtime, they lose to the Titans. And then that essentially walk-off touchdown from Leonard Fournette against Tampa Bay. Again, in games, they had a double-digit lead in every single one of them. Coming off of their bye, New England the same. Here is why I think the Colts are rightfully the favorite in the game. Because I don't think Mac Jones is coming back from down double digits. He had to do that once against the Houston Texans, not a real football team. They were quarterbacked by Davis Mills in the game. You essentially should be given a loss for being down that much to a Davis Mills quarterbacked team. So I look at the Colts right now as, again, the right side. What I think is interesting is how far will this move? Because the I believe the Open was New England as the favorite. So this has been a considerable move to get the Colts here to two and a half, Ben. Does this get to the full three. Can people take the Patriots with the field goal? Because I will say this, you never love, you never love going against Bill Belichick with that extra preparation going into this game here against the Indianapolis Colts. And I'll add one more layer on top of that. I have Mm. simply no idea how anyone intends on betting New England Patriots props. No idea. The last time they played, they proceeded to play a fake football game where they just decided to not throw the ball. they're going to do here I mean sure they're in a dome but I I still maintain that what they did against the Bills was not necessary it was performative in my opinion people can disagree that's fine but all in all I just don't know what you're meant to be doing with Mac Jones props because if he throws well five times that might just be the plan 
Maybe so. Maybe you look at Damian Harris finding the end zone. He has been very good at doing that. He mm. was the only one to find the end zone for the New England Patriots in that game on Monday night against the Buffalo Bills now two weeks ago. Okay, this line also stands out to me. The total has jumped already by a point and a half. Now at 45 and a hook, the Indianapolis Colts are tied for the highest over percentage in the NFL this year, 61 and a half percent of Indy's games this year hitting the over, tied for the highest mark alongside the Minnesota Vikings, eight of 13 for Indianapolis to the over. But the lasting memory we have of the New England Patriots is that game where they only threw the ball three times, and yet the yeah. total is up by a point and a half. The Patriots, as an underdog this year, Look. twice in this seven-game winning streak, obviously they covered and won outright. Also, 3-1 and one ATS as a dog the entirety of the season. All three covers, all three outright wins for New England. And again, a game that will have tremendous impact on the AFC playoff picture. A game that will have huge implications for the NFC postseason landscape involves Kevin's mm -hmm. favorite team, the Birds. Fly, Eagles fly against the Washington football team on Sunday afternoon. Philadelphia, a four-and-a-half-point favorite right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The over-under total, 43-and-a-half. Philly, Kev, also coming off a bye. What do you expect out of your birds for this game against Washington? I expect them to win this game. Now, I don't know how the quarterback stuff's going to play out. They've already said it's going to be Jalen Hurts. I don't know if they're going to have a quick trigger because the reality is you enter the season, it's about Jalen Hurts. It's about Jalen Hurts. Well, now you have a legitimate chance to make the postseason. Right now, according to the FanDuel Sportsbook, they have basically the odds to suggest they will be the final NFC team. If that's going to happen, they need to beat the Washington football team. But that's where this game interests me because I love doing the early line segments and taking a look at where lines will move. But truly, this game, the spread is to me less fascinating as getting yourself familiar with where the futures markets lie for these two teams specifically and the NFC overall. The Birds at plus, I believe, 198 to make the playoffs yeah. Washington football team at plus 230. Though Washington is actually 3-1 to one to be a wildcard team. They're not winning the division. Get yourself a little bit of extra value if you would like to be betting Washington in that respect there. We'll talk about it a lot. I think one of these teams gets to the playoffs. With the Niners win against the Cincinnati Bengals, it might only be the one, and certainly whomever wins this game will have a massive advantage over the other. Philly off the bye right now. They have covered in three of their last four as a true road favorite. Washington has been an underdog nine straight games. They were on a four-game winning streak that was snapped last week against the Dallas Cowboys. We round out our two hours with Kevin Walsh up next. We play by ourselves. Stay with us. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out our second hour together here on the morning after on SportsGrid, Sirius XM, Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. Also closing out our second hour together with Kevin Walsh, one of the co-hosts of The Early Line each and every weekday morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern with Donnie Wrightside, who was so gracious to join us here today for two hours on a Tuesday. It's becoming a tradition, and it is one of my favorite days of the week. Before we say ta-ta to Kevin Walsh, we ask him to play a game with us. It's time for Buy or Sell. 
So, Kev, we just finished discussing a huge divisional matchup in the NFC East this week. The Washington football team, the Philadelphia Eagles, they will play each other twice in a three-week span. A lot of NFC East action, so both of these teams will be familiar with the Dallas Cowboys rookie, Micah Parsons, who has recorded a sack in six straight games. He is a minus 5,000 favorite to win the NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year. But that's not my question in buy or sell, Kevin. It's can Micah Parsons mm. just win the Defensive Player of the Year on the FanDuel Sportsbook and in the NFL this season? Do you buy or do you sell that notion? I have to sell it. Now, he does have something really good going for him, plays for the Dallas Cowboys, um, although a very dangerous question to ask me while Steelers Fasano is in the room. But at the end of the day, Micah Parsons has been wonderful. The fact that he might end up with a better position than his own teammate, Trevon Diggs, in this award is quite funny. But to be honest, with he, he does not have a case over Miles Garrett or TJ Watt. He's not having a better season than either one of them. He's having an awesome, awesome season. But he's not having a better season than Miles Garrett or TJ Watt. It, it really... It really is that simple. Like, if you wanted to bet Micah Parsons a couple of week, weeks ago and you've got some hedge opportunities, cash out button, all that, great. You want to bet him now? It's a mistake. Plus 350. Micah Parsons, the third shortest odds to win the NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Kevin Walsh, as always, thank you very much for your time. The host, or one of the hosts, I should say, at 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern of the early line each and every weekday. Kev, mm. good to lose. Thank you for a great time, as always, on this Gales plus the happy points. hour, hour number three, up next on The Morning App. Dispensing little pearls of sports strategy wisdom like gumballs from the machine where your dad used to take you for a haircut when you were a kid. <laughs> <laughs> 